So my kids, Nehemiah's done this before, and so has Miranda. Like, we'll be sleeping. I don't know what time it is. I'm dead asleep. It's probably 3 o'clock in the morning, and my kids are like this over my bed. And I'm fast asleep, and for some reason, my body knows, like, somebody's staring at me. And I'm like, what the chicken? Why are these looking at me? Who are you? And so now, like, Nehemiah, like, creeps in. He thinks he's, like, going to get beat or something. But Nehemiah's done it before. Miranda's done it on Gina's side of the bed. And one time she was, Miranda was like, and it's funny because, you know, the bed's, like, right here, and they're peering over you like this. And you're sleeping, and all of a sudden, why do you wake up? Why do we wake up, Gina? I don't know why. Why in the world would we wake up when somebody's staring at us? We're fast asleep. Maybe there's some sense in us, a spidey sense or something, like if there's an intruder in our sleeping zone. But I'll never forget, it happened to Gina too. Miranda's like standing right over her. And she's like, what are you doing? (laughs) It was crazy. And what do you do? You ask a seven-year-old, can you please explain to me why at three o'clock in the morning you actually woke up and started staring at me? They're going to say, I don't know why. I just love you. (laughs) Until you're a teenager, then you're like, leave me alone! So, uh, let's pray again. Go before the Lord. Father God, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, just remove me. And uh, thank you for each and every person here. And I ask God that you would uh, do a miracle in their lives, Lord. Father, that none of us would uh, leave this place the same as when we came in, God. Thank you that we can expect that from you, God, that we can expect you to move and work. Thank you that you're alive, that you're active, Lord. Thank you that you love us dearly, Lord. Thank you that in Christ there's no condemnation. Thank you for the cross and the penalty that you paid for us, God, the place that we really rightfully should have been, Lord. You you took our place. And you shed your blood, Lord, for us willingly. Thank you for laying down your life for us, Lord. Just thank you for what you're going to do in our lives, Lord, and how you're all about putting the puzzle pieces together, Lord. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, shared with you guys last week that I was gone for a while, well, four days, to a a youth workers conference, and the theme was uh, prayer-focused. And uh, (laughs) there was a video that I did this. Did anybody see the video I did on Facebook? Uh, the ro- the rice and the rat. Okay, go to my Facebook page and there's a video about how a rat got into a a pot of rice in my fridge. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so uh, this this rice had been in there for quite a long time. I think uh, since Christmas, maybe. And there could have been there could have been chicken in it. Can we even get a picture of it? It's just we can't screenshot it, huh? Okay. There could have been chicken in it or broccoli. I really can't tell because now it, it's so f- it was so like fluffy and and it was it was a culture. Oh, will it play? Yeah, that's a rat. It won't let you screenshot it, huh? Sorry. Yeah, you can take that off. That's a crazy photo. You know what's funny though is after I played that, I noticed something was in my mustache, like food. So I'm glad it didn't play. But anyway, so this pot of rice had been in our fridge probably before Christmas, unfortunately. And Gene and I, we tend to be busy, and we eat the food that's in the front. <laughs> you know, you put something away, you're like, oh, this was so good, I'm going to put it in back and save it, and then it, like, gets lost. Maybe your house, you don't do that. Some of you, you just eat everything in sight before it gets old. Yeah. 
So anyways, the purpose of this, I was thinking uh, this week while I was preparing, I was like, you know what? This rice dish that was awesome, it was amazing, it was so good, I wanted to save what was left. I didn't want to throw the food away. It was so tasty, but yet I put it aside. And every, it got forgotten. And, 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 you know, life goes on, things get busy, and then, you know, the trash can's full outside, so I told Gina, don't empty the fridge out, because we knew we had to empty it. Like, there was something from New Year's Eve in there that got emptied out yesterday. <laughs> Or the day before. So I'm like, don't empty out the trash can. Or don't empty the fridge out because the trash outside's full. And I didn't want the, what are you going to do with this food? So anyways, I take this pot out and I open it and it looks, it's crazy. There's, it looked literally like a, a rat had died in there. It was shaped all weird and all different colors and it was hairy. <laughs> like really hairy. <laughs> Like, hairier than my beard. <laughs> it was hairy like Jared's beard. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is it was such a good meal at first, but it got put aside, and because it got forgotten, it became useless and worthless. And check it out, you guys. That's what happens to our relationship with God. At first, the meal's great. We feast on the word. We love our friends at youth group. And then, like, life happens and things happen. And we get pulled aside and the world draws us away. And then this thing that we call Christianity, our relationship with God, it, it, it doesn't, like, get thrown away, but it gets put back behind things. And we think we're preserving it, right? I, my intention was to preserve this dead rat. No. I wish I should have pictured literally looked like my son even thought it was a rat, dude. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how our relationship with God can be. Hey, um, and so whether it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a cell phone, Josh, that causes us to be drawn away. Sorry. Please don't, unless it's an emergency, don't be using your phone while we're doing this. Um, this is God's time. This has nothing to do with me. And just respect God, please. Um, give him his honor. <laughs> um, and so tonight, uh, we're going to continue looking at what prayer is about. Um, prayer is the most powerful thing I believe that God can give us as believers aside from his word of God. The word of God absolutely is more powerful than anything. Jesus' name, like Caleb had talked about in his prayer. We can cast demons out. Demons flee in the name of Jesus. But what's prayer about? And last week, we learned uh, where Jesus is at. Some of us were here. Some of us weren't. Jesus, once he died on the cross, shed his blood for our sins, right? He, 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 he was in the grave. Three days, he rose again. His disciples saw him. Uh, 500 other witnesses saw him, actually. And then uh, his disciples watched him ascend into heaven. And that wasn't it, though. God's Word tells us that Jesus is literally interceding for us in heaven. So um, hopefully that rings true with you guys, that Jesus cares about you so much. And so we can trust him. He's thinking of you right now. Right now. And the cool thing is, is it's because he loves you. It's because it's of his love is why all of this has happened. And he's for you. Um, a lot of times as, uh, you know, 
being a teenager, a lot of things can feel like they're not for you, you know. But the creator of the heavens and the earth is for you. He's absolutely for you. And uh, I really believe God wants to uh, cause us to move into action in our lives as Christians. Um, if you guys come here and, and you go to youth group for four years, and then even you go to the gathering in the college ministry that we have here, and then you get a job, and you have no active relationship with Christ, and your life ends up like rotten food in a fridge, then our job has been wasted here. And so I really have been impressed by the Lord that um, to help train you guys on what prayer is about. And that God's going to move through your prayers in your family's lives and in the lives of your friends. And I know this because God's word, first of all, says it, that he's active. And another thing is that you watch um, how Jesus prayed. You watch how the disciples prayed in the word of God. And we're going to go over more of those things as the weeks progress until the Lord tells something different for us. But I really feel impressed that prayer needs to be taught in our youth group here. Um, and it's not like, well, you're not doing the right thing. I mean, you, you better be praying right or you're out of here. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, Jordan, if you want to throw the, the, the first slide up there for uh, Matthew uh, 6, 9, and 10. Um, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And uh, we're going to continue looking at this section of Scripture. We touched on the first verse last week. Um, it says, uh, this, is, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to focus on verse 10 tonight. Um, but in verse 9, we need to understand that prayer should first be addressed to God, the Father, and acknowledge him as sovereign over the universe. He's in charge of it all. He's in charge of the moon. He's in charge of the sun. He's in charge of the stars. He's in charge of the gases of the stars. He's in charge of the molecules of the gases of the stars. He's in charge of the molecules and the atoms of the gases of the stars. He's absolutely sovereign and infinite. And when we look at, go back to the first verse there, 9. So when we look at verse 9 of the Lord's Prayer, that's how we need to be thinking about God. Okay? It's important because we want to keep perspective of who God is and who we're talking to. If I was talking to God and I had like, oh, well, he's just like this dude in a box, or he has no power, or he has nothing, then why would I, why in the world would I ever bring anything of seriousness to him in my life? Would you guys? No. Maybe. Maybe for a minute. Maybe you'd try it out for a while. <clears throat> if it was the latest fad in the Christian culture, you'd go seek after that for a while. But there'd be no true longevity in regards to how prayer would affect your life because you're not really understanding who you're talking to. I love that about the Word of God. You want to know anything about God's will in your life? It's in here. And some of us can say, well, the Bible doesn't make much sense, and I don't really get it, and it's hard to understand, and, and all these different things. But have you tried to read it? That's the question. 
See, we can't give up on something that we haven't tried. And then, if you have a hard time reading it, have you connected with a friend who loves the Lord and reads the Bible and say, hey, we read the Bible with me? You know, we have small group on Wednesday night, and it's not like the stage and speaking at you. It's the Bible and us talking about the Word of God in a, in, in a small environment. And it's amazing because I hear these amazing, smart, young people share what they know and what they want to know about the Bible. And I'm learning. I don't know everything, you know. And it's a beautiful experience. And so we need to crack the word open and understand who God is, who he's about, and why we would talk to him about our lives and our friends and our schools and our future. So, hallowed be your name. He's to be lifted up, he needs to be honored, and he needs to be revered. Go to the next slide for me, verse 10. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you guys have prayed the Lord's Prayer a lot? You know what it says. Some of us, it's just like, I went to this one church, and that's, it was like part of their program. And there was no life in it. One thing you got to be careful is making sure that your relationship with God is not this, this law or this um, tradition only. Because these people would pray this prayer, man, I'd be at this church, Gene and I, it's the first church we worked at in Marysville years ago, and I'm like, it's just like, and that's how the whole congregation was, and there was no life in it, so we need to make sure that we're also not doing things just to do them. Again, it comes back to why, and who, and what. So your kingdom come. We're going to talk about God's kingdom, and what it is. And what it is for us as believers, we're going to talk about his will and what it means for heaven to come here on earth. And I looked at these scriptures and I was like, how in the world am I going to do this, Lord? So I'm, I'm kind of freaking out, but I really, we're going to un, unpack the Lord's prayer the next few weeks. So, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first word here is your, it's referring once again to God the Father. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. So whose kingdom is this talking about? It's talking about God's kingdom. And then what makes up a kingdom? First, it needs a king, right? Can't have a kingdom without a leader. And a king has absolute sovereignty over whatever territory they're a king over. So the United States is a kingdom. We just don't refer it as that. We refer, refer it as the United States. How many of you are doing U.S. history? You guys are way smarter than me on this. Here, come teach. So settlers wanted to get away from England, right? Anyways, that's a whole other subject. So the president of the United States is our king, per se. He's just not called that. His wife in another country would be the queen. I could imagine while I was putting this together, I could imagine other people in the other countries thinking of the president as a king and his wife as a queen. Then we have England. Gina's grandmother is from England. She talks like, I can't do a terrible, I'm doing a terrible English accent. She's got an English accent, like straight up. I'm waiting for us to fly to England one day and be able to stay somewhere for free, but I don't think that's going to happen. So England has, is a kingdom, Right? And it has a king. 
and a queen. And what happens when the king and queen say something? Do people go, sorry, I'm looking at my phone. Blah, blah, blah. Do they turn their back to him? No. What do they do? They what? Follow the king, right? If you don't follow the king, what happens? You die. You get executed. In the military, if you don't follow leaders, what happens, Jared? You die. (laughs) You get locked up. There's consequences. You get shamed by your peers that are following the king or the leader. That's how the world works. That's shaming. So there's this fear. Excuse me, guys. There's this fear that we have, right? Like if president of our United States came here, I'd be hecka nervous. I'd be like, what? If the king or queen of England came, I'd be like, what? Can I just see the crown? Because we don't have one of those here. We just have a helicopter. (laughs) So you guys get it, what a kingdom is? What a king would be? My territory, my kingdom's my home. You guys may have a kingdom or a territory that you feel like you're lord over. It could be like your bedroom. This is my room. Get out. My room was like my kingdom as a teenager. Although my parents had every right to come in, but I tried to make it not that way. So we understand and we live in this world where we understand what kingdoms are about and we understand what territories are and we understand that what that concept is so what does it mean though when we read in this Lord's Prayer that some of us have heard over and over and over again thy kingdom come what does that mean for us as believers so I do this. I write my notes and then I speak at them before reading them and then I go back over them. It's terrible. So like I had mentioned, a kingdom's a territory occupied by a leader. We're all a territory in a sense. We're occupied by something. What are you occupied by tonight? That's a question that I'm asking myself. What am, what am I occupied by? Is it the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the Eternal One, the Everlasting King, the one that we had mentioned that has sovereignty over the universe? Is that the King of your life? Or is it a girl or a guy? Or is it fear? Or is it anxiety? Or is it hurt? Or is it being rebellious? That was my deal. I just didn't care about anybody when I was a teenager. Ask my parents. I was a terrible kid. God's awesome. He saves us from so much stupidity. So is Jesus Christ the one that is the king of your territory? See, he's the one that loves you beyond sin. That's so awesome. Jesus loves you beyond your sin. Jesus loves me beyond the ability my wife has to love me. You know? The closest person in my life, Jesus loves me more than that. 
He loves you beyond your hurt. He loves you beyond your brokenness. He loves you beyond stress. He loves you beyond the stress of grades. And tonight, I want us to spend some time in prayer seeking God, asking for his kingdom to come. I need your attention, you guys. Tonight, we're going to actually specifically ask for God's kingdom to come on earth, in our lives. See, God's kingdom is salvation. And God's kingdom coming here on earth is the salvation of others. That's the whole purpose for the name of this youth group, regenerate. It means to be reborn, to bring new life. And I really believe that you guys are the now generation that God wants to use to do that. I'm one person. You're an army. And if we don't start seeking the Lord in prayer and asking him to help us with these things, then how will we know how to do that? I believe God can take each and every single one of you if you earnestly seek the Lord and say, God, I want your kingdom to come first and foremost in your own life. See, David modeled this. He, he asked God to search him. If there's any unclean thing inside of him, reveal it, Lord. Are we willing to go to God and ask him to first reveal the issues in our life? And then we speak to him about these things. And if we have to confess things to the Lord, you know what he does? He doesn't go, well, you're an idiot. He goes, hey, thank you for talking to me. I love you. That's his response. There's no other response that God's going to ever have with a person's life if they earnestly come to the Lord and they say, God, will you please help me? He's not going to snuff you out. He's not going to put you aside. He's not going to treat you like maybe others have treated you that are of authority in your life. God's kingdom needs to come. It needs to be present in your lives. Otherwise, why are we Christians? Why do I come up here and talk? I, I, you know, I, this is, was really heavy for me, man. I, I took a walk outside, you know, after writing the message today, and I, I had some extra time, and I was talking to the Lord. I'm like, God, you know what? And I was, this is all dramatic. I was looking at the sky. I happen to be dramatic sometimes. And I was just looking at the clouds and just, just how God has created things. And I was talking to him, and I was burdened for you guys. And I was like, God, will you please change this generation cause them to fall madly in love with you so that their friends see jesus see they're not going to see jesus necessarily because of me they're going to see jesus because of you guys and at this moment in time jesus is interceding in heaven specifically for you so that you can understand how to pray and ask for his kingdom to come and the first step is salvation if there's anybody here tonight that does not have a, a personal relationship with Jesus has not said, you know what, I want to repent from my sins. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I want to repent. I want to leave that sinful lifestyle behind me. And I want to choose Christ because I want something different in my life. I want to be in heaven with Jesus. If, if you're here tonight, that's the kingdom of God for you tonight. That's kingdom coming to you. And then after that, then our next response, like, like uh, Rick preached today, we should have this overwhelming response for eternity for others. 
And this, I believe, is what Jesus was teaching his disciples. Because, see, at the time, you had the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they would be on the street corners. I wish I could stand on that cajon, but I can't. I'll break it. But they'd stand up on the street corners. Oh, cool, a riser. And they'd be like this, out in public as high, and they'd be praying, and they'd be doing their religious things so people could see them on the outside. And God was telling his disciples, look, and it's in the verses prior to this, but he was saying, hey, look, you know what? That's wrong. It's not, don't do this on the outside. It needs to be on the inside. God's more interested in the condition of your heart than he is in the outward expression of your religiosity. Because if the condition of our heart is not transformed, then our religion is useless and it has no value to the dying world that's outside these doors. To friends of yours that as of right now, they're on that train to eternity separated from God like Caleb had talked about. And that's a real thing. And I, it's like, really God? Okay. We need to start praying. We need to start asking God, how do you want to use me? Like we're in small group and, 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 and uh, one of our students was like, I want to, will you pray for me? I want to share the gospel. I was like, yes. That's what this is about. And fear grabs us and fear grips us and we get all jacked up in our brains and, and, and all of these different things. And this is why we need to be, first of all, looking that God is absolutely sovereign over the universe. And we go to the Lord, if there's any unclean thing inside of me, God, will you reveal it? Because I want to get rid of it because I want to see your kingdom come first in me and then in those around me that I care about. And that's the steps of prayer. And it's just like talking to your best friend. Somebody put it this way. In our day and age, it's like texting Jesus. You know? By the way, I only thought texting was illegal. I found you can't even hold your cell phone while driving. Because Gina dialed me, going through a stop sign. Well, she didn't run the stop sign. (laughs) She went through an intersection. And she's on the phone with me. And she's like, there's a cop behind me. And I'm like, all I thought of was like, lady, you're costing me more money. (laughs) And so like, she's got me on speakerphone, dude, while the police officer's coming up to the car. And I like, I I had to put my phone on mute because I just wanted to be like irate, right? Could you imagine that? Being a cop and coming up to the window and you have this phone and the guy's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the blah, 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 blah. He'd be like, what the heck? You need counseling. No, it's okay. I'm a pastor's wife. Okay. So I'm like looking up the whole ticket thing on California. I'm like, these cops aren't going to give her a ticket. There's no way. And Gina's like, they're just, they took my driver's license and insurance. I go, they're giving you a ticket. No, they're not. They're just looking things up. No, they're giving you a ticket. And I looked up the law. I'm like, dude, you can't even have a phone in your hand and drive. That's crazy. California's crazy. And so Gina tells a police officer, this is heck of funny. She goes, so if I'm driving, yes, sir. Oh, in other states? Yeah, I've driven in other states. Truck drivers are crazy. So Gina's sitting there, and she tells a cop, so next year it's going to be illegal for me to drink my coffee and drive? 
And I said, did you really say that? She goes, yeah. I was like, wow, dude. And I started thinking about this. I'm like, it's going to be illegal to drink coffee? We're going to like, throw the cup. You'll have friends in the back, dude. They'll be like talking and everything. All of a sudden they're burning. I'm on fire. You crash. The cop goes, what happened? I was drinking coffee and driving. See, ma'am, that's why we have that law. We've had 48 deaths in 400 years because of drinking coffee. And the legislation said, (laughs) oh, my gosh. Gina, you're awesome. I don't think I could do that. Next, is it going to be illegal for me to, like, pick my nose and drive? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Sorry. People do do that. They do, right? You ever seen that? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Focus. (laughs) All right. going to go back where we're at here. So I kind of laid out some of the guides that I think we need to pray tonight. Um, But next, your will be done. What is God's will? Salvation and restoration. That's it, man. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died, didn't die to build church buildings. He didn't die to have people to have certain placards with parking spaces in front. He didn't die so we could argue about which Bible translation we're using. He, he died so that for salvation, the transformation of mankind because Satan came into the garden and Adam and Eve listened to his lies and sin and death came into our world. We have a beautiful Savior that loves us so much, man. So, your will be done. In this petition, we acknowledge that God knows what is best and that we surrender our will to his. It, is also exp- it, it also expresses a longing to see his will acknowledged throughout the world. You know what's crazy? I could be praying. Have, how many, have you guys ever heard my testimony of praying for my sister when she was in China? So um, this is really crazy. Looking at the time. Okay. My cousin and I were uh, driving back to Sacramento from a friend's house. We're on the highway up in the mountains coming down. And some of you have ridden in the car with me. I'll just randomly start praying sometimes. And so this is one of those nights. I'm like, dude, I want to pray. So we start praying about different things. And then I knew my sister was in China. And she was on a Bible smuggling trip. So, yeah, if you want to do something like 007 for Jesus, you can smuggle Bibles into certain sections of China. Anyway, so she's on this missions trip. And it wasn't like I set aside this time, well, I'm going to pray for my sister. It was led by the Lord. Holy Spirit will guide us sometimes when what we're supposed to pray for. So I start praying for my sister. Whatever, I don't remember what came out of my mouth. It wasn't gibberish or anything, but I was just praying specifically for her, for God's will, protection, and just I just remember praying for her. So she gets back from China, telling about her trip, and I said, yeah, I was praying for you. She goes, what, what day was that? And I told her what day it was. And she said, what time was that at? And I told her about the time. She goes, that was the exact time that I was crossing the border in China smuggling Bibles. And I was the only person in my group that actually made it through without being stopped. And so it's amazing how God will reveal physical things that happen when we pray. 
And we don't pray to have physical things happen. We pray for God's will to happen and for Jesus to be glorified in our life. And then out of that, for him to be glorified, he amazes us with his power and we're dumbfounded. Because when God shows up, we shut up. Because he's sovereign and he's amazing. And he's the author and finisher of life and death. And he holds the keys to it. He conquered sin, the power of sin. We're all going to struggle with sin, but he conquered the power of sin. And he conquered death. And so when we pray, this is the God that we pray to. And this is the God that we ask for the opportunities to share the gospel. This is the God that we talk to about our frustrations and our brokenness and our hurt. Because if we're real with God, Christian... Please don't miss out on this. You guys are all amazing. I love each and every one of you. Gene and I, we talk about you guys all the time. Not bad stuff. Our lives are consumed by your lives. And that's something God did. Because we want to see you guys radically change for the Lord and be like, dude, I was praying for my friend in Uganda and they were under attack by these people and we just happened to be praying at that time and like they all lived. Like there's stories about that. We serve an awesome God. Jesus loves us and loves you dearly. So, on earth as it is in heaven, what does this mean? <laughs> so, on earth as it is in heaven, this brings all of Jesus' words in verse 9 and the first part of 10 to one perspective the worship of God, the sovereign rule by God, and the action of his will are all a reality of heaven. The prayer is that these conditions might exist on earth as they do in heaven. Could you imagine what God could do? Look around you. I want you to take a look around you. I know we have different friends. We have different, like some of us be like, I am not, I, I'm not hanging out with you at school. You know? But all of us have one commonality. And I want you guys, I want to implore you, okay? I want to challenge you and kind of give you a commission in a sense that I really believe God is calling you guys to have an active life of prayer, okay? And I really believe that it's supposed to be here in this youth group for a while. I know I already mentioned that. And so uh, I want to encourage you with two sections of scriptures. First uh, Peter 2.9 is what we're going to do first. Sorry, I flipped him, Jordan. <clears throat> Somebody say yes. Oh, my wife is like so vocal. I get embarrassed because she's so vocal. It's crazy. I'm like, shh. <laughs> I love you, Gina. But when I first met her, she rode on the back of my motorcycle at night in the rain. I was like, this chick's crazy. It's great. <laughs> so, First Peter two nine. But you are a chosen race 
a royal. Now, I want you guys to think about who you are, okay? Because this scripture may, something inside of you may look at this scripture and say, that's not for me, that's not mine, that's not who I am. That's a lie from Satan, and that's a lie from broken flesh. And this is God's promise of who we are in Jesus. And it's imperative that we wear this. Sometimes I talk about uh, putting, like, how many guys have coats, right? It's wintertime. So you put on an old coat. You guys have old coats, and they smell funny, or they're ripped, or whatever. I don't know. And sometimes in life, we put on this old coat of identity, and it's our old way of life. But in the Word of God, we have this new coat of identity. And this is part of that identity. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you guys are struggling with depression or really heavy issues that you're not sure how to get out of, Dude, memorize 1 Peter 2.9, open up your Bible, and at the top of your lungs, or as loud as you can get without people thinking you're weird, weird, read this out loud. Okay? God's Word is powerful. It will change the atmosphere in your area of life when you're by yourself and you're struggling. That's why memorizing Scripture is so important. God says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual thing. We... We like to, you know, we go to Christian bookstores and there are all these cute little things about swords and all this like cool little stuff that all these people are making money on. And the reality is, is this actually tears down walls and destroys demonic strongholds and gives people eternal life. This is a sword. This is a weapon of eternity. And we need to learn how to use it and what's in it. So, memorize 1 Peter 2.9. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Text it to your friend that you're probably already texting while I'm talking. That never happens. So Revelation 1, 4 through 8. And this is John. He's on the island of Patmos. It says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is. I want you guys to grasp this. I want you to listen to this. That's talking about Jesus. Grace to you and peace from him, being Jesus, who is and who was and who is to come. There's no end to Christ, okay? And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, amen? I'm so thankful that he's the firstborn of the dead. And the ruler of kings on earth. What? You mean Jesus is the ruler of President Obama? What? This is the God we pray to. He's the ruler of the principals in your school. <laughs> He's the ruler of the authorities on our earth. Um, unfortunately, I have to say I've been standing before a judge before because I have broken the law once or twice in my past. And I was praying, God, I pray that you like, I thank you you have authority in this. It's amazing how our failures cause us to come before God. This is a long time ago, 20 years. 
Continuing verse 5, to him who, I love this, loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Can I get amen? Amen. <laughs> and made us, this is it, a kingdom. See, we're Jesus' territory. We're priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever and you can say ever and ever and ever and ever times pi squared whatever for all of you math wizards. John says amen. It's like, yes, he's agreeing with this. This revelation that the Spirit of God is giving him about this. Verse 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will 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 wail on account of him. Even so, amen. See, when Jesus comes back, people are going to be hit with the reality of who he is. Verse 8, I love this. I quote this to, 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 to those who are of different uh, religions who don't believe that Jesus is God because uh, this statement talks about him being in the beginning and the end. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is who we pray to. This is who Jesus is. This is our God. And if this is our God, then, dude, he better be able to take care of my bills when I don't know where my money is coming from. You know? He better be able to take care of my frustration that my wife and I have with our frustrations. <laughs> that, was a, that was a conundrum, right? He better be able to take care of Caleb when he left to go to Mexico and had no idea where all of his money was going to come from. You know, Caleb raised like his whole tuition in how many months? One month. Caleb, come, we come back from Mexico and we're sitting there watching this car wash that we took out there. And he goes, Brian, this isn't because of you. I remember he said that. He said, but I really believe I'm supposed to go to Mexico and I don't know how I'm going to get there. 